your Locked On Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this late Thursday evening episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts you've ever need. You can visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. I'm currently watching the Vegas-Montreal Game 6, and Montreal is actually 20 minutes away from the Stanley Cup Final as of this recording. I'm sure when you all listen to this either later this evening or, you know, basically on Friday, you know, even before my Friday episode comes out, um, it'll be, you know, either Vegas is going to Game 7 or the Montreal Canadiens will be going to the Stanley Cup Final for the first time since 93. Uh, that is also the last uh, Canadian NHL franchise to win the Stanley Cup. You know, Montreal did win 93. Last Stanley Cup uh, franchise from Canada to go to the Final uh, Vancouver in 2011, where we all know what happened there, when the Canucks lost in seven games to Boston, and then of course the city of Vancouver burned down uh, for like I think the next week, month, year—I don't even know—but it definitely burned down um, for quite a while. But of course, this is a Penguins podcast. Today we'll be discussing Brandon Son, and if it makes sense for Pittsburgh to bring him home, I don't think Colorado is going to have room to extend him. They have Cal McCart assigned to a big deal. They have Gabriel Landeshog they need to bring back. Philip Grubauer is a free agent. Um, they just don't have the money to bring back Sod. You know, I know they're not up against the cap yet, but with how many players they need to pay moving forward, I mean, McKinnon, I think, is up in a year or two. He's going to get a huge raise. I mean, they just don't have the room to pay Sod. So yeah, I would be pretty stunned if they did sign um, Saad. So we, we are going to have that discussion on this episode. We're also going to continue our season reviews for this past season. Today will be Jason Zucker. We'll go into his underlying numbers. I know his counting stats are bad, but we'll also look at what the data says and see if some of it was bad luck or you know his results were actually earned and what he could potentially do next season for the Penguins if he does indeed come back and is not picked by Seattle. We also, of course, are going to go over... Um, Game 6 of the Islanders-Tampa series and also preview Game 7 of that series and just, you know, talk about why um, the Islanders and Long Island is just a giant cesspool and I don't really understand what the heck is going on there. But okay, let's kick off this first segment for real and let's talk about Brandon Saad and, you know, the season that he just had. So, not good shot attempts-wise. Uh, it was only on the ice for 49 uh, well, this is also, I'm only also looking at the playoffs. So anyways, don't mind me. Let's start for the regular season. He didn't have that good of a playoff. So for the regular season, um, his shot attempts were much better. 56.7% of the shot attempts uh, for Colorado Windside was on the ice. Um, for goals for, goals against, around 50.8%. His expected goals was 56.5%. That's a huge increase um, from the last couple seasons where he was at 49.4% in Chicago, and then before that, 49.6%. Yes, I know, going back um, to, you know, go, well, going to a, like a contender in Colorado is obviously going to bump those up. He's going to get a better quality of line mates. Um, but, you know, to see it at 56.5% this year, I mean, he hasn't done that um, since he was in Chicago in 2014, where it was at 58% overall. Scoring chances for, scoring chances against, 55.8% of the scoring chances for for Colorado when he was on the ice. Compare that to the last couple seasons of Chicago, uh, only 49.5% and then 50.2% in 2019. High danger chances, again, a huge rebound as well, 54% and then high danger goals, the actual goals for uh 
Saab was on the ice for 60.7 high danger goals for, so 17 for 11 against. And then if you go to the playoffs, so now, we, now let's go to the playoffs because I had the numbers a little backwards, was only on the ice for 49.3% of the shot attempts. Um, did, the Avalanche did outscore other teams when he was on the ice, though, seven goals for, four goals against. Um, his expected goals was 47.8%, so not really good at all, though he did make up for it with scoring chances for around 54.4%, though for high danger, he did get caved in a little bit. Um, when he was on the ice, that he conceded 25 high danger chances the other way, but only 24. So I definitely still think this is a good player. He played in 44 games this season. Um, if you look at his counting stats, 15 goals, 24 points in those 44 games last year with the Blackhawks. 21 goals, 33 points in 58 games, and then in 2019, um, at 23 goals, 47 points in those 80 games. So averaged over a point per game there. He is 28. I mean, I really wouldn't sign him to more than a two- or three-year deal. I would maybe give him... I, 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 my, my favorite contract, I think, for a player like Saad would be, you know, a one-year deal, four to five million per. I honestly think that's the only thing the Penguins could afford to do. I mean, I don't think Saad would take that. I think he would obviously think that he's worth more than that, you know, and rightfully so. He's 28. He's been a 20-goal scorer for many years in the league. He even has a 30-goal season on his resume in 2016 with the Blue Jackets. He had 31 goals, 53 points in 78 games that year, which I think was his, that, that was his best season overall in the NHL. Um, but I just, I can't see him taking that one year down. And honestly, that's the biggest thing, but well, that's the only thing, excuse me, that the Penguins can afford just because of their cap situation. I mean, if you're going to look for, if he's going to look for a three, four year deal, uh, the Penguins ain't going to give him uh, that. There's just no chance of that, especially with their cap situation. Now, I did do a vote um, on the Lockdown Penguins Twitter account, you know, with Brandon Saad being a free agent, does it make sense for the Penguins to open up space to bring him home? And for the results, it's 50-50. Uh, 28 votes, 50 of you say yes, 50 of you, 50% uh, of you say no. Um, even Tyler HD, who's come on the podcast a few times, he said, I would do it on a one or two year deal for four to five million per, but I feel like someone will overpay him. I do agree with Tyler on that. He seems like the biggest, one of the bigger candidates to definitely be overpaid this offseason. He, he screams like a Zach Hyman kind of deal. Someone's going to give him four to five years, five to five and a half million per, and then they're just going to regret it in the first year because he's just going to be underwhelming. I mean, I know he's going to be turning 29 soon, but you just, you don't want to pay for a lot of the players' years, you know, even if it's, you know, the age 32 to 33 season, you know, they're going to decline. He's not going to put up the same numbers next season as he would later on in his contract. That's just not how this works. Players age, it's what happens. I agree with Tyler there. I think a two-year deal is the highest I would go personally for Brandon Saad. You know, four million per is also probably the highest I would go. If it gets to five, I think that's a bit too steep. You know, maybe four and a half million per, you could get away with it. But yeah, it would have to be a short-term deal to bring Saad back home to Pittsburgh. Uh, Danielle of Locked on Flyers, she asks, well, she says it depends on what they do to get the cap space. So my logic with that, Danielle, if they want to move out, one of Pedersen or Matheson because, you know, there's a definitely, there's, well, there's a 100% chance that one of them will be exposed in the expansion draft. And there's potentially um, maybe around a 60 to 70% chance that both of them could be exposed in the expansion draft. As, you know, Rob Rossi wrote about a couple weeks ago that the Penguins may choose to protect Mark Friedman. Um, 
as the third defenseman because, you know, Hextall might look at it and be like, okay, you know, maybe Seattle will take a risk and take one of those two players, and oh yeah, maybe I can get something of value for them on the trade market, though. Yes, I understand it's not going to be something for a lot of value, but you know, it might be value nonetheless. So yeah, Daniel, I think they would it would have to be a move of something like that. They also, you know, if Jason Zucker also moves on, that's five and a half million per right off your cap. So they could use that money to go after Saad. Um, but of course, you know, leave a little bit of money to go after, you know, maybe a player like Yoel Armia or, you know, also leave some money left over so they can sign a couple of their RFAs. Though I don't think there's a lot of um, big RFA decisions for the Penguins this season. Let me just double check this real quick. Um, I don't believe there is for them this season. Uh, Mar well, yeah, Mark Jankowski, he'll walk. Uh, Teddy Bluger, okay, that's probably the biggest one, but I don't even really think he's going to cost that much. I think he's probably going to come in at a couple million. He's probably not going to get over three. I I'd be honestly a bit stunned if it was three million. Aston Reese, I think he's also a good candidate to go to Seattle. Redeems a Hornet, that's an easy contract. Um, but that's really it in terms of, you know, RFAs. Like I said, Jankowski's gone. Um, Zahorna will sign for cheap. Um, and then Teddy Bluger, if he's not picked, he'll come back for. I think that will be a two to three year deal. Um, I'm actually I'm actually going to touch on that, you know, um, as we get closer to free agency, what I think that contract should be. Uh, my early thoughts are right now two to three year deal around maybe two to two and a half million per, if the Penguins can get away with that. Um, I still think they would have room even if they did sign Brandon Sod. So, but what I personally sign Brandon Sod, yes but only if it's for a one to two year deal and it comes in at no more than four, um, four and a half million per, no exceptions. I will not go over that. I've wanted him to come home for a long time. I remember I was really butthurt during my what, junior, senior year of high school when he got traded to Columbus because Jim Rutherford basically confirmed that he was in on Saad prior to Yarmouk Kikalayan trading for him. And then, um, you know, I wasn't really that mad anymore, especially after the Penguins went out and got Phil Kessel. We all know what happened after they went out and got him with the back-to-back -back Stanley Cups. It ended up being a lot better uh, for those two seasons than, you know, than getting Brandon Saad because there's no way Saad puts up the production that Kessel did. There's just no chance at all when it comes to that. That'll wrap up this first segment of the Penguins podcast. Uh, coming up in the next segment, uh, we are going to touch on Jason Zucker's season. You know, obviously he was the whipping boy for a lot of people. I'm going to discuss, you know, what probably went into his struggles while also looking at the data and what you can expect next season if he is on the team. Before we do that, it's time to talk about Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on our sports action. Baseball season is in full suite. You can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC action. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game. Head to the website or use your phone to sign up today and receive your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts with the promo code locked on. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LR Score Penguins. The third period is getting underway right now. Still 2-1 to one, Montreal, and I cannot wait to see the scene um, in downtown Montreal if they end up winning this game. I still think the winner of that Islanders Lightning Series probably wins Stanley Cup. Uh, you know, fool me once, fool me twice, I guess fool me three times. You know, fool me four times for Montreal if they do get to the final and somehow win that. I just don't think um, they would be able to beat Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is just a different beast um, than Vegas. Though I am surprised that coming into this game, um, Vegas' top six 
had no goals. You know, Riley Smith finally broke that curse tonight uh, when tying the game before Cole Caulfield or Goal Caulfield, um, as he's been basically this entire playoffs, uh, made it 2-1. But it's pretty insane how Montreal has been able to shut uh, a very potent top six down. You know, Jonathan March, so Riley Smith, Mark Stone's done nothing, Max Pacioretty. Uh, I think maybe he has one goal uh, but still, even with that, it's just there's really not been a lot of room there. And, you know, credit to Montreal and their boring but yet effective defensive system. Okay, let's get to Jason Zucker uh, for his season. Let's start with the playoffs here. Was on the ice When he was on the ice, the Penguins had 54.5% of the shot attempts. For actual goals, 4, 4 to 5. Um, his expected goals was 47.4%. So a big steep down from last year where it was at 60.9%. Uh, scoring chances for the Penguins had 56.5% of the scoring chances. When Zucker was on the ice, though, they did concede high danger chances. 13-10, a lot of that does have to do uh, playing with um, Evgeny Malkin a bit. You know, it just Malkin really struggled defensively this year, so I think that brought Zucker's uh, numbers down a little bit, especially in the playoffs. So for actual high danger, goals for 4-3 in the playoffs. Now let's get to the regular season with his numbers. Um, if, if you want, let's just look also, okay, I know I'm going all over the place here. I apologize for that. His counting stats first, 38 games, 9 goals, 18 points in those 38 games. Yes, I understand that's probably, that's his worst season um, since 2014 when he was 21 years old. Last season um, with the Penguins had 12 points in 15 games, finished the season with 29 points in 45 games. Season before that had 41 um, points in in those 60 games, and then in 2019, you know, 42 points in eight of games. So, you know, he's averaged over a half a point per game um, for a lot of his career. I think the biggest thing, though, for him this year was his confidence. I mean, he was getting a ton of chances, I felt like, on every single night, you know, when they played, but the puck was just not going into the back of the net, and you could tell that he was forcing it a lot of times. I don't even need to go into data to tell you guys that. I mean, he was just passing up obvious shoot-first situations. Um, sometimes he wasn't even firing it at the empty net. He was just trying to give it off to another player. And, you know, maybe that's like the, the unselfish thing to do. But when you're in a goal-scoring rut, just take the empty net goal because that can actually do stuff for your confidence. And I, I just – he just really, I think, was overthinking it a lot this season. I think that was the biggest thing when it comes to his struggles. Yes, I understand he maybe has not lived up to the trade package that they sent away from him, you know, first round pick in Kalen Addison and Alex Galchenyuk. And, but also, we haven't really seen Kalen Addison do a lot since going over to Minnesota. He's still a young prospect, though, so we are going to have to see. But I don't really think it's as big deal as some other people made it out to be at the time. For his regular season, though, for the numbers, 51.4% of the shot attempts when he was on the ice. Um, goals for, goals against, 26 goals against, 19 goals for. His expected goals, 45.9%. So, yeah, the underlying numbers... Were not good. Only 48.4% of the scoring chances for when he was on the ice. Uh, conceded way too many high-danger chances. 40.1% uh, of the high-danger chances for when he was on the ice. He conceded 103 high-danger chances against. I mean, that's... I have to look that up, but that might be top five most on the team for any player um, on the Penguins this past season. And then for actual high-danger goals for 12-4, 18 against for 40%. It was just a season from hell for Jason Zucker. You look at the underlying numbers, you look at the counting stats, you don't even have to look at the numbers to see that he was fighting it every single night. Um, he did play his tail off, I think, in the playoffs. You know, had, had a nice big goal, I thought, 
in Game 6 before Tristan Jari barfed it all away. He also had that nice goal, I think, in Game 3 to make it 3-1 to before the Islanders stormed back. I know Brandon Tanev ended up winning that game, but I do, I do think that he played a lot better in the playoffs than he played during the regular season. As for what I think he will do next season for Pittsburgh... You know, if he's on the team, I, I th- honestly, I think I expect him to get back to at least a half a point per game player, especially if he is with Evgeny Malkin, if Gino is back to 100%. I don't see why Zucker can back, get back to that level. You saw him play like that in his first, you know, I guess sem- semi-season here with the team. Had 12 points in those 15 games. Even before that with Minnesota, was averaging half a point per game with them. I mean, he can get back to that level, you know, is maybe, is his cap hit too high? Yeah, sure, he probably should not be making five and a half million per, especially with what he did this season, but I am still a little higher than most on the nice Jewish boy, as I like to call Zucker. Um, I I also understand that he was not good this season in any facet, but I also, I looked at it, I could see that he was competing every night. This wasn't like a Mark Jankowski situation where it didn't even look like he was trying. He was putting the effort in. He was just not getting rewarded and it was also just a classic case of him overthinking and not putting the puck on net in a lot of situations that was where I think the biggest things that I noticed in his game this season and I think if he cuts that out going into next season assuming that he is on the team I think that he will get back to the level that he displayed during the 2020 season and then before that as well so those are my expectations for Zucker next season though you know Seattle also might take a chance on him you know even at five and a half million Five and a half million per year, you know, if he puts up the numbers that he's put up for most of his career prior to this year, Seattle can just trade him at the deadline because they're probably going to be bad, especially with hiring Dave Haxtell for some reason, which I'll get into a little bit in the next segment when we go around the league a little bit. Um, They can just eat half his salary at the trade deadline, which is what, 2.75 million or something like that. And then they can actually get a probably a decent uh, return from him. Um, at least I would think. So we'll have to see what happens on that. But overall, if Zucker is back, I predict he will be much better. And I think you'll see him back around 20 goals, 20 assists next season, I think is my prediction. But before we do get to the next segment, it's time to talk about rockauto.com. You can save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why should you choose to spend 30%, 50%, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. The prices are very low for every customer. They have everything you could need with for brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find a solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. And you can write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, very low prices, all the parts you ever need that you can visit rockauto.com. All right, welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. And it looks like the Vegas Golden Knights have tied the game against the Montreal Canadiens. As of this recording, it is 2-2. Two two, so... Hopefully we can get a Game 7. I would love to see the atmosphere in Vegas, but they have tied the game. It is Alec Martinez getting the goal on the doorstep past Carey Price. We will see if Vegas can now get another goal to potentially make it 3-2 to two, uh, to send this series back to Vegas for Game 7. But you know, going back to that Tampa Bay Islanders Game 6, 
Um, Tampa Bay, you know, the Islanders look dead in the water there. Kudos to them. That was a great comeback, you know, down 2 nothing with around 25, 26 minutes left. Of course, Scott Mayfield, of all people, ties the game after knocking out Nikita Kucherov. And that was just a garbage Adam Graves kind of play. And, you know, it's par for the course with the Islanders. I've talked about this numerous times on the podcast. I'm not going to repeat myself. It's just that's what they do when they're down. You know, Kucherov, you know, it's just... And the league doesn't care. You know, I, I just I, you don't see any other league um, condone this when their star players get hurt. They will punish the other players that hurt them. But nope, not me, NHL. You got to have a service for the players like Scott Mayfield. And of course, you know, instead of uh, getting a two-minute minor for it, even like a five-minute major, gets the game's high goal with 8:53 left to send it to overtime. And then Anthony Beauvillier wins the game to send the series back to Tampa for Game Seven. And then for some reason, you have Islander fans throwing beer cans onto the ice for for it potentially being the last ever game in the dump that's considered the Nassau Coliseum. You know, act like you've won something before, Islanders fans. You know, it's you know, I'm not surprised. I mean, the Coliseum is a dump. Long Island's a dump. I just, it, it really, I, I can't say anything else other than that, to be honest. That's just a classic case of sports fans, not really, they just, they've never won anything before. I mean, the Islanders haven't won a championship since the early 80s. I know I saw people on Twitter saying, well, yeah, bro, like, you know, have you ever been to a party before? It's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I've seen quite a few parties throughout my day. Um, you don't throw beer cans onto the ice for no reason. I thought that was just weird. Now, I'm not going to go off on full boomer here and go like what Eddie Olchek was saying, like, oh my God, that's dangerous for the players. I just thought that it was stupid. And it was just like, what's the point? Like, that's how you're going to celebrate the potential last game with the Nassau Coliseum. You're just going to throw beer cans onto the ice. And I think even Cal Clutterbuck was ducking through a few of those. So just weird stuff from some Islander fans. Don't really understand it. I really do hope that Tampa Bay puts them out of their misery tomorrow. Now, I will say I kind of am a walking meme right now with these old takes exposed. I predicted both of these series to end in six games. That's obviously not going to happen. Um, We will see what happens, though, um, for the rest of this Vegas game and then for Game 7 in Tampa Bay. I guess I'm going to predict Tampa Bay to win it, but with how my predictions have been going lately, uh, I'm sure it's going to be the Islanders to win. Um, We just deserve an Islanders Montreal Stanley Cup final right now. We, we honestly just do. I mean, the, the league deserves this, especially with, you know, the, the officiating last night was just a disgrace. I mean, you had, like I said, that, that cross check on Kucherov that knocked him out of the game. He, he probably got his ribs cracked. And again, best sport, worst league, everyone. I've been saying this for a long time. I was listening to DK um, on his daily shot of Penguins this uh, morning. He echoed that sentiment as well. It is truly the case of best sport, worst league. The officials... They don't care, and I, I think Adam Gretz honestly summed it up the best um, last night. If I can find this tweet here, if I just scroll through all my tweets here, give me a second. Adam Gretz says, my God, I have a lot of tweets here. Whatever negative words you can think of to say about NHL's corrective group of officials this postseason, they're not harsh enough. The league needs a complete reset on everything regarding how the game is officiated, complete with new people actually officiating it. And I can't agree with him more. I mean, obviously, the NHL is not going to do that because they're run by a bunch of hermits, hermit dinosaurs who don't give a shit. Um, but, I mean, they just they need to strip this down. I mean, this is not working. No, I, I saw, I think, Bill Daly talk to Greg Wyszynski today. It's like, well, you know, we instruct them to do the same thing uh, during the regular season as they do in the playoffs. It's like, that's the biggest load of crap I've ever seen. I mean, and the funny thing is, the play- the officiating during the regular season is just as bad. I mean, it really is. They just, they don't call the same stuff during the regular season because 
That's just what they. That's just who they are. They're they're garbage officials. This is what the league wants, and they're just they're doing their jobs to what the league wants them to do. It's stupid, yes, but this is what we have here. And you know, with a competent commissioner there, with competent people around him running the league, we probably have much better officials. Look at Adam Silver. His league is ran so great. The NFL, I know they have their officiating problems, and I know that Tom Brady is probably maybe a little favored in quotation marks by officials, but at least the league goes out of their way to protect one of the faces of the game. I mean, they don't, the NHL doesn't do that here. I mean, we've had Sidney Crosby have cross-checks to his neck area from Brandon Dubinsky and Mark Stahl, not call. We've had the same thing of Kenny Malkin from this past postseason with Scott Mayfield taking runs at him, not called. Scott Mayfield also, you know, cross-checks Kucherov in the ribs, probably cracked him. He's out for the rest of the game, may not even play Game 7. So, you know, thanks to Scott Mayfield for taking out one of the greatest players um, in the league right now for basically no reason, and, the, and then Chris Lee is just standing right there. For some reason, he is still officiating in these playoffs, which is just a joke in itself anyway. But uh, before I'm just, I'm done. I, I feel like I talk about the officiating every day on this podcast. But we'll do, we will end with something funny. It was pretty pathetic to see this morning that, <clears throat> excuse me, Seattle hired Dave Haxtell, um, if anyone does not remember him, former Philadelphia Flyers head coach for, I think, three to four seasons. Uh, made the playoffs a couple times with them. I remember the Penguins beat them in six games, but he also lost with Washington to Washington in six games as well. Just a weird hire. I really don't know where Ron Francis is do- is going there. Um, Nick Zaras, my good buddy, says you know it's basically the old boys club taking care of their own. Um, Frank Zellarelli said the incomplete list of the head coaching candidates included Dave Haxtell, Joe Sacco, formerly of the Avalanche a long time ago, Rick Tockett, Kevin Deneen, Tony Granado, David Quinn. In Rocky Thompson. Um, woof. <laughs> that is just a god awful list. I really don't understand um, where Ron Francis was going with this. I mean, how are you interviewing these people? I mean, you honestly went as well, just interviewed Mike Babcock along with it, or John Torrell, or even Mike Johnston. And how Bruce Boudreaux didn't get an interview, that doesn't really make sense to me um, either. I think that's just really weird, in my opinion. But hey, you know, they're, they're, Seattle's probably going to stink this year anyway. Um, so just a really funny hire on that. Before we do end though, just looking to see here, um, still tie game as we, um, end this podcast two to two with Vegas and Montreal. And that'll do it for this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I appreciate you all listening to this one and we'll do another one of these tomorrow. So I'll talk to you all then.